Us Church, it's great to be worshiping with you together this morning and online. And I know what many of you are thinking right now, because I could tell by the reaction of watching that trailer. Of all the great 90s films, in the history of 90s films, Space Jam? Really? Like, is that, is that the one we're going with? How many of you have seen Space Jam here? Oh, wow. Okay. So all three of us have seen it. Uh, hopefully more of you that are watching at home, you have, you have seen more of it and, and know that movie. Well, here's the thing. Um, for me, Space Jam will always hold a special place in my heart. Not to mention, is it a movie with the greatest basketball player of all time, which is totally not controversial at all. He is the greatest, always will be. There is no other king. Um, <clears throat> sports fans will understand that. Uh, Michael Jordan, I learned that Michael Jordan used to play in his old UNC Tar Heels practice shorts under his Bulls uniform, like as a, as a good luck charm. I learned that about him. I learned that uh, the NBA actually has been shut down for health concerns before, and, and that happened in Space Jam. You'll just have to watch the movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, but even if my nostalgic enjoyment of Space Jam isn't enough to persuade you that this is going to be a great film to preach a message from, uh, The 1996 film, Space Jam, is the highest grossing basketball film ever made. Did you know that? Does that surprise you? Is that shocking to you? Like Hoosiers? You know, there's some good basketball movies out there. It is the highest grossing worldwide basketball film of all time. When it was on Netflix, it was in the top 10 of all movies streamed. That's how popular this this movie has been. And yes, I know Space Jam 2 is supposed to come out next year with that other guy. Uh, but no matter how much money that makes or anything, you know, it's inflation and stuff. It just doesn't count. This is, this is the best. Seth and I were able to watch The Last Dance together, which is a documentary about Michael Jordan's last season. We watched it on ABC. They had the edited version on, on that one. And so Seth and I were able to watch that. He was able to gain a whole new appreciation for how Jordan completely changed the game. And it was in the middle of his two three-peats that Jordan uh, filmed this film, and he got to play with the Looney Tunes. Now, the idea for the film came from a corny 1993 commercial between Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny are playing against Marvin the Martian. You guys remember him? And so that led to this brilliant IMDb summary for the film. In a desperate attempt to win a basketball match and earn their freedom, the Looney Tunes seek the aid of retired basketball champion Michael Jordan. Now, a couple more details, because I know of you ha- a lot of you haven't seen the movie, and so you don't even understand how the plot developed and all that kind of stuff. So let me give you a couple more details. These diminutive aliens from outer space come and steal the talent of other pro basketball players in order to encapture the Looney Tunes to take them back to their boss's amusement park. You with me? No? That's fine. It's okay. Um, and so they become these huge monsters, alien basketball team. Looney Tunes at first thought they were just going to roll all over them because they were so small and they didn't even know what basketball was. So naturally, the Looney Tunes kidnap Michael Jordan. Well, as you can imagine, the first half of the game doesn't go very well. The Looney Tunes are overwhelmed. They don't understand you know, how in the world they could beat this team. And so in true leader fashion, Jordan gives an impassioned you know, player-coach halftime speech to get, to get them up, to get them ready to play. Hey, guys, we can do this. We've got the skills. We can, we can do it with a little bit of grit and courage. And it goes as well as you might expect for a bunch of cartoon characters. And so in the meantime, Bugs Bunny takes a bottle. He fills it up with water from the sink, and then he puts a label on it that says Michael's Secret Stuff. And he convinces the rest of the Looney Tunes that this is the secret to Michael Jordan's success. Of course, they get excited about it. 
And they ask why Michael Jordan had held out on him. And what he says is, I didn't think you guys really needed it. You're so tough. But allow me to translate that for you or to interpret what Michael's really saying in that moment. What he's really saying is this. I didn't know you'd rather believe a lie than know and live the truth. That's, that's what he really means. The tunes would rather think that regular water is the secret to Michael Jordan's success than acknowledge the fact that it will take hard work and determination to overcome the enemy. And that's just loony. For those of you at home that can't hear, that got raucous laughter. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is an all-too-common theme in human nature as well. Jonathan Swift wrote this, Falsehood flies, and truth comes limping after it, so that when men come to be undeceived, it is too late. The jest is over, and the tale hath had its effect. Like a man who hath thought of a good repartee when the discourse has changed, or the company parted, or like a physician who hath found out an infallible medicine after the patient is dead. And for all of our greater knowledge and access to information, you would think, after 310 years after Jonathan Swift wrote this, that we would be a little bit better when it comes to wanting to be able to distinguish between fact and fiction. Uh, but we all have difficulties with that, me included. In fact, if you look at people who investigate for a living between people who lie and people who don't, even their percentage track record isn't all that great. We have a tough time with the truth. Of course, no one wants to think this is the case about them. I mean, we, we know that we're all really reasonable, smart, intelligent people, and nothing that we ever believe or say or think is wrong, right? I mean, that's, that's me. Right? I, I always want to be right. I want to always be talking about and living out the truth. We want to be well-reasoned people of faith who are following the truth. I mean, that's why we gather together. That's why we worship. That's why we live out our faith. However, we have regular reminders throughout Scripture that we must be on our guard and we must be intentional to be those well-reasoned people of faith who are following the truth. So check out Apostle John's encouragement to do just that in 1 John chapter 4. He writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, if you and I put the truth of this passage into practice in our lives, no matter how intimidating or overwhelming or strange the times may seem, we will be reminded that not only will the enemy not win the game, but that God has already overcome the enemy and that we are already on the winning team. One of the things that, especially knowing that truth, one of the things that for me personally as a, as a pastor that that I've been kind of working through and, and even wrestling with a little bit over the last couple of months is how to 
constantly and consistently coach folks away from grasping for ordinary bottles of water with fake labels on them rather than holding on to the spirit of truth. You know, I think it's easy to read things like what John says in here, and we read phrases like false prophets and spirit of the Antichrist and be like, oh, I, you know, uh, what, either what in the world is he talking about there, or, oh, that's easy because that's just the opposite of what Jesus is. And so I can pick that out, and I can see what's going on there, um, that, that, you know, this is going to be easy for us to distinguish between our life. But that's hardly the entirety of John's point. While it's certainly true that there are viewpoints of the world that can be easily spotted, there are also viewpoints in the world that we've been taught, that have been grained within our lives, that we believe, uh, that require discernment for what they are because they aren't actually from God. Uh, even for the early church, there were false prophets. Uh, right after Jesus had ascended back into heaven, there were people who were using Jesus as a means to further their own agendas. There were false prophets. They appropriated Christian beliefs to further their own conceptions of faith and the world. And John is warning us to not be fooled by what is not grounded in truth. In fact, these same issues happen all the way back at the very beginning of the Old Testament. False prophets who made erroneous claims would seek to lead followers of God away from him into other gods. And so when John is talking about this, he has in mind these Old Testament ways of thinking about how we discern between what is true and what is false. In fact, if you read through Deuteronomy in chapters 13 and 18, there are a couple of different uh, ways that you could test whether or not what a prophet said was true. One was that if a prophet said something and it can't, didn't come true, like that thing didn't happen, then they were, then they were wrong. You'd think that that would be self-evident, but it seems like we still haven't learned that lesson quite yet, in my thinking. Um, that uh, in addition to that, that even if, even if they performed a sign or a wonder, and what they said did not lead others to God, but the fruit of what their deeds were led people other, way, other ways or to other idols, then again, they were not to be listened to. In fact, they were supposed to be stoned, <laughs> you know, for... Uh, to be gotten rid of from the community because of how dangerous this was. And so when John talks about testing the spirits, what he's really talking about, or, or maybe more practically for us to understand where he's headed with this, is he's talking about, hey, we need to be diligent about testing for truth and knowing the confession of faith of the source that we're accepting truth from. This is the standard set forth in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So, normally I go through lists and I go through pretty quickly because I just want to kind of get through them and move on to the next point. But I'm going to read these slower. So, if your favorite news source, pause for effect, scientific review, health information, entertainment, art, political preference, Education, nonprofit, sport, conspiracy theory, internet celebrity, meme, you get the idea, doesn't acknowledge at the core of its existence and functionality that Jesus has come in the flesh and is from God and all the truth that comes with that, then at best, at its best, and its closest truth to what God has revealed in a biblical worldview, at best it must be taken with a grain of salt, and at worst, when the goal isn't Jesus and it points us away from him, it must be rejected. Somewhere along the line, we've got to do the work of vetting our sources 
according to the gospel, because the implication of not doing so is that instead of perpetuating good news, we're perpetuating fake news. And when that's the case, we lose all credibility in our acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Lord. The truth of Jesus is the foundation of our trustworthiness in sharing good news with the world. And here's where that gets tricky. So, so that's the first test, testing for truth. Where it gets tricky is that someone claims the truth of Jesus, uh, but they claim things that are false according to God's word, which is step two. Not only do we need to test for truth, but we need to flip the coin and test for falsehood, or more specifically, idolatry, because that's what it ends up being. Just because this is important, just because something is marketed to Christians doesn't mean that it's truth from God's word. It just means you're the product. Check out this warning from James in James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Just because somebody says that they believe in God doesn't mean that what they say is true, that their thinking isn't off, or that they're a victim of bad theology. In the early church, nearly every author of a letter in the New Testament warns of false teachers who claim fellowship with the body of believers, but are in, in fact what amount to wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and maybe they just, they don't have evil ulterior motives. Maybe they just don't even realize because they were taught wrong somewhere down, down the road. Uh, but not only are they, are they wrong in their teaching, sometimes that causes wrong motives as well. And as James says in chapter 2, that's born out of, like, how we determine whether or not what they're saying is, is false is born out of the fruit that they bear. Is it the fruit of the Spirit, for example? Or is it the idolatry of society or politics or greed? Is it unity or is it division? Is the fruit Jesus or a cult of personality? Is the fruit consistent with the theology and doctrine of Scripture in its proper context? Or is it a self-serving agenda? And sometimes we get caught up in this. I get caught up in this. Others of us get caught up in this. Just because something hits us at the right moment or, as it were, maybe the wrong moment, and it catches us at a time in which we think it seems like a good solution for the problem that we're in, or maybe it strokes our ego at just the right, right time, or it catches us when, our, 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 when we're vulnerable um, and, and, until it dawns on us that it was a lie, maybe with even some truth misapplied with, within it. And it takes work to move through that. Or maybe it's just something that we're ignorant of, we haven't learned it yet. Um, maybe we're not surrounding ourselves with godly people who are letting people speak into our lives to help correct that. And I mean like real actual people that we're called to be in community with, not just articles and YouTube videos. But most of the time, and hear me out, because I'm, I'm in basketball movie mode, and so some of you know that I, I spend and have spent some time coaching. And so that makes me think of, of coach mode. And I don't always try to get in coach mode because that could get me in trouble. But much of the time, much of the time, and I've already given the concessions, right? So we, we understand those are there. M much of the time, I'm concerned that it's just out of being lazy and weak. Toward the end of the game, the Looney Tunes are whining for more of Michael's secret stuff. And Jordan finally tells him, hey, there was no secret stuff. That was just water from the sink. Because you rather would believe that than when I tried to tell you at halftime to encourage you to keep you going. You had the stuff inside you all along. Not to mention they had Michael Jordan. Like some of you don't know this, but the talents that they stole from the basketball players, uh, there were five basketball players, I won't name them, although I could. None of them, none of them ever won a championship in their careers because of Michael Jordan. 
And so the Looney Tunes didn't even, they, they weren't even thinking clearly about who they had on their team and who was coaching them and who was leading them. And sometimes when we get caught up in the world and what the world says and what the world teaches and like that's what we focus on, we forget who's on our team and who's already overcome the world. See, with those two things in mind that, that you know, the water was nothing and, and the fact was that Jordan was with them the, the whole time, they were able to play with backbone, determination, and grit. The very things we're afforded when we remember the truth of 1 John 4.4. 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If you're overwhelmed, if you're anxious about things that are happening, if you're like, if your opinions are leaving you with bad moods based on like what other people are doing around you, I, I would encourage you, like write this on your mirror or put this on the dash of your car, like don't cover any important instruments or anything like that, but uh, like make yourself a note and remind yourself of this truth. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Not to mention that the strength that we need doesn't come from within us, but through the Holy Spirit that we're indwelt with, the gift that God gives us of his constant, continual presence, no matter what is going on in our life. That within us, as followers of Jesus, that is where our strength is coming from, so we're not relying on ourselves or our external circumstances or the fearful obstacle that lies in front of us. The Looney Tunes overcome what seemed like impossible odds, and yet the talents you know, like I mentioned before, were, were not even close to what they would need to defeat them with Jordan on their side. And the same is true with us. 2020, 2020 has been a weird year, and it's not over yet. But certainly not even close to some of the darkest periods of human history. Come on, we, we got it easy. We can have a little bit more grit and a little bit more backbone. There are always going to be things like Election years, those aren't going away. It's going to happen every four years. Pandemics, injustice, face coverings, double hurricanes. Have you heard of that one yet? The list goes on. And there are always going to be things like that in the world because it's broken by sin. But how we face them and how we're affected by them will be determined by the strength that we draw from. And crumpling under their weight is the symptom of trying to draw upon our own strength. And listen, this is something that we all struggle with. This is something that I've struggled with. One of the reasons that Jesus calls us into a communal faith, into a faith that is sustained by the indwelling of God himself within us at all times, is because it gives us the strength and resolve and grit and backbone that we need to face those things. Please understand me. I'm not saying this makes it easy. It's like, oh, okay, cotton candy and unicorns and rainbows like across the sky. But it does give us the strength and determination that we need to follow through with sharing the truth of God's word. There's so many falsehoods shared so readily in our hyper-connected society, but if we're diligent, we show grit, we'll be better equipped to not join in by holding on to the spirit of truth. And it, just as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, loving the truth for us means living the truth. When we love Jesus and we follow life according to how he showed us how to do it and make, make it possible for us to do so, 
then we start living out the truth and sharing it. So test the spirits. Beware of false prophets. Be wary of those who use hot topics to manipulate your emotions. Do some research before you share information that is novel to you. Let's start a swear jar for sharing fake news. Like, can we do, is that cool? Can we do that? Like, just let somebody know that in your life that you trust. And, and maybe, here's a challenge, and maybe somebody who doesn't believe exactly like you and say, I owe you a dollar every time I share something that's not true. There's, there's a challenge for you. Just came up with that one. Ask yourself, are my demeanor, my words, and my actions, are they reflective of Jesus? Because I can tell you this, Jesus isn't going to hand you sink water and tell you earthly solutions are the keys to the kingdom. He is the living water, and he said to you and me, you've got this because I've already done this. And I've given you the spirit to be indwelt and encouraged and strengthened throughout this. He's not phased or surprised by the enemy or the enemy's tactics, and neither are we when we know and we love the truth. Let's pray together. God, th- this, this takes effort on our part. It, it takes work. It takes diligence. It takes some stick some grit. And God, sometimes, sometimes I don't have that from within myself. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by the things that are going on around me, uh, by the thoughts and the actions of other people, and I just think, man, how do, we, how do we even get started moving forward? And yet, I know that you've promised that you've already gotten that taken care of. And all, all you've simply asked me to do is follow you, is to follow you. And God, we ask for that strength. We ask you to show us if we're struggling with truth and your word and how to live that out in our life, if we're being overwhelmed by uh, the, the obstacles that we see that are going on in our world today, God, we ask that you make yourself known and evident to us as we remind ourselves that we are your children and that you have overcome the world. God, we ask for this to be not only true for us, but that you would fill up our cup enough so that we can pour into others who need that same strength, who are tired of falsehood, who are tired of division, who are tired of the things that are going on and, and need hope and strength and love. God, we praise you for this time to breathe, to focus in on you, uh, to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.